0: Hi, and welcome to Long Live the Queen, where we talk about the women who made history. And by we, I mean the royal we, because it's just me. This week, our subject is Eleanor Cobham. Eleanor Cobham was born in 1400, the youngest daughter of Sir Reginald Cobham and his wife, Eleanor Culpepper, also the daughter of a knight. We don't know much about her childhood. We do know it would have been a comfortable country life. She was the daughter of a knight, so she wasn't a noble woman, but they were fairly high up for commoners. She would have not been at court much, but would have always known when she got older, she would either marry a knight like her mother had and her grandmother before her, or come to work as lady-in-waiting for a noblewoman and possibly find a husband that way. Finding a husband was the goal because for a daughter of a knight, finding a husband and having babies was the only goal. In 1422, at about the age of 22, Eleanor, who still wasn't married, lost her mother. As the youngest daughter, her choice would have been to stay and care for her father or get a job, so she went to work in the household of Jacqueline of Haino. Jacqueline was a controversial figure at court. She had married twice before and was still married to her second husband, but was attempting to get it annulled with the help of the English. She was an honored guest at English court, but this would have possibly been a temporary job. Jacqueline wasn't English. She was in England asking for help. It was very much a low position at court, lady of an indefinite guest, but it would have been exciting for the daughter of a knight with little experience at court. Eleanor was settling into her court life when, unexpectedly, the king died. He'd been on a revenge tour in France after the death of his brother Thomas, when he got ill. The king was still relatively young, in his thirties, and he had only one child, a baby, named Henry, who was now King Henry VI. The king is dead. Long live the baby king. Eleanor's boss, Jacqueline, had received an annulment that was really only valid in England but that was good enough for now. The baby king's uncles were running the country for their little king nephew, and both of them were still single men. Duke John was the 33-year-old regent in charge of things abroad, the war effort and the army mostly. He was also the heir presumptive of England, meaning he was next in line to the throne after the baby until the baby king presumably grew up and had his own children. His brother, Duke Humphrey, was the 32-year-old Lord Protector of the Realm, in charge of stuff at home in England, the baby king and his young, newly widowed mother and the council, and the next heir after his nephew and his older brother. These uncles had two jobs, to protect their nephew so he could grow up to be king on his own, and get married and have children, just in case the baby king wasn't able to fulfill his destiny as they saw it because they were the last surviving sons of King Henry IV. Both men took their jobs as being the king's uncle very seriously. They both married the following year, John to 19-year-old Anne of Burgundy as part of an alliance against France, and Humphrey to 22-year-old Jacqueline of Hainel, Eleanor's boss. Humphrey was the logical choice for Jacqueline. Her annulment to her still-living husband, was only valid in England, and Humphrey was in charge back in England, where he spent the majority of his time. But this marriage had happened in secret. Eleanor would likely have known, as one of Jacqueline's ladies, she probably would have helped her prepare for her secret wedding. And not having a lot of experience at court, she would have understood that it was being kept a secret, but she probably wouldn't have understood all the complexities that came with a secret royal marriage. Later that year, when news of the marriage came out, it was quite the scandal at English court. The royal duke's wife was married to someone else already, and she was pregnant. Eleanor's boss received a letter of denization. That isn't a thing anymore, but at the time, it was legal proof that England recognized the marriage, and if any children were produced from the pairing, they would have legal standing in England as official noble children, despite their mother's other marriage in mainland Europe. In order to protect her place, she would still have to get her annulment recognized in the rest of Europe. This would have been a complicated process, aided with the help of royal lawyers, but also with the support of her ladies. To complicate things, there were still two popes. The Western Schism had created a situation where England, Italy, and Bohemia followed Pope Martin in Rome, and most of the rest of Europe, including France, Spain, and Scotland, followed Antipope. Benedict Thirteenth. For Jacqueline's annulment to be recognized in Europe, she would need an annulment from both popes. There was a lot of pushback, and Jacqueline decided to join her husband in Gloucester while it was worked out. Her household, including Eleanor, would have relocated. This was when Jacqueline had a miscarriage. It was a superstitious time. This miscarriage would have been seen by many as a sign from God that he did not agree with this union. But for now, Jacqueline and Humphrey were still trying to make it work. They traveled to Calais and then Hano to have Humphrey recognized as Count of Hano. Eleanor probably would have gone with them as a member of Jacqueline's household, possibly the first time she'd traveled to Europe. A European count, if you remember, is the same as an English earl. Humphrey was already a royal duke in England, but he wanted some European clout as well. But Europe didn't recognize their marriage as legal yet. It is unclear when it started, maybe in Europe or maybe just after they returned to England, but Eleanor had started a relationship with Duke Humphrey, the husband of her boss, Jacqueline. It was probably started as a Duke's job perks. He would not only have been allowed to have a mistress, but he would have almost been expected to have a mistress. His wife's ladies would have been the most convenient, as they would always be around. And since they worked in the household, they would be seen as loyal and probably keep it a secret. Eleanor was an easily accessible and trustworthy mistress. Eleanor was beautiful, intelligent, and ambitious. And Humphrey was cultivated, pleasure-loving, and famous. Humphrey's relationship with his wife was complicated and businesslike. They were using each other to gain mutual power in Europe. Humphrey's relationship with his mistress was fun and probably a stress relief. He had a big job running the country for his baby nephew and trying to negotiate with the baby king's mother. Over the next few years, the relationship was not much more than an open secret. Humphrey and Eleanor were the center of a small, flamboyant court, the home away from home where Humphrey preferred to be when he wasn't working. What he was working on was stopping his young, widowed sister-in-law from marrying the wrong person. His sister-in-law's interest in Humphrey's cousin, Edmund, was not approved of by Humphrey. Humphrey and the other nobles didn't want Edmund to have that much power over the young dowager queen, and in turn, her son, the king. So they went to work to stop it. Humphrey was nearing 40, and all of the women in his life, his wife, his mistress, and his sister-in-law were still in their mid-20s. Humphrey came across as, I know what's the best for you guy. He was popular with pretty much everyone, but he does give off the smartest guy in the room vibes. He and Parliament made it a law that if the dowager queen remarried without permission, her groom would lose all of his lands and titles. And she needed permission from the king, who couldn't give permission until he was an adult. The king at this point was still only six years old, so it would be a while. And this law scared off most suitors not willing to lose their power and money, including Humphrey's cousin, Edmund. My guy can have a wife that's married to someone else and a mistress, but Queen Catherine, 27 and single, had to wait another 10 years. I'm sure he was a super fun guy, but lighten up a little bit, maybe. Right around that time, Humphrey's wife's second husband, not him, because he was her third, even though she was still married to her second, her second husband died, still insisting that they were lawfully married. Not because he loved her, but because he wanted the power. With John dead, surely Humphrey and Jacqueline could get their marriage recognized in Europe, right? Nope. The French Pope disagreed, and that was who they needed permission from. Even with Eleanor's husband deceased, they were still not going to get their five-year marriage recognized. And the fact that they still had no surviving children was still more confirmation bias that God disapproved, along with the French Pope. So the following year, Humphrey seems to have given up on this particular goal. He had his marriage to Jacqueline annulled on the basis that she had been married all along. And with that, he was single again, no longer the Count of Haino, and free to marry again. So he did. He married his mistress, Eleanor. This would have been a love match. There would be no other reason for a royal duke to marry someone of so low Station. She was common and hired help but he was fun and popular, and she was young and pretty. It was easy, and Humphrey was getting older. Humphrey's sister-in-law was also getting older, and had started a relationship of her own with a commoner, the hired help, Owen Tudor. And maybe seeing Humphrey marry Eleanor gave her the idea. We don't know, but she secretly ran off with Owen. Humphrey didn't go after her. She was pregnant, and her staying would create more of a scandal at court. So, if the Dowager Queen was happy to live in the country with her commoner, they would let it be. She didn't have permission, but her new husband was a commoner without lands or titles to lose. Marrying commoners and living your best life in the country was starting to be all the rage in the 15th century in England. Duke Humphrey wasn't the first, and Queen Catherine wouldn't be the last. It seemed to be that after you did your duty and married your first political alliance spouse— You could have fun with an attractive commoner for your next marriage. These were two of the highest-ranking nobles in the country, and they were setting a very obvious example. Humphrey and Eleanor continued enjoying their almost hedonistic mini-court, where fun was the only thing on the menu. Humphrey may have been having a bit of a midlife crisis, and Eleanor had gone from a lady-in-waiting to a foreign countess to a royal duchess of England. Things were looking up for this daughter of a knight. She may have had children, but we don't know. Humphrey had two illegitimate children, and they may or may not have been Eleanor's. We don't know who their mother was, but they were never made legitimate, and Humphrey probably could have made that happen if he had wanted to. It is possible they weren't Eleanor's. It is possible they were Eleanor's, but Humphrey, being the smartest guy in the room, and the one who knew what was best for everyone, may not have thought that they should have been legitimate with their common mother. He may also have been looking out for his nephew, who would have a hard time transitioning from an infant king to an adult king and didn't need any competition, even if that competition did come from Humphrey's own children. Maybe Humphrey had a mistress again. Now that his old mistress was now his new wife, a royal duke's got to do what a royal duke's got to do. However, King Henry was still only about eleven, He was only a child and had no children of his own. His heir was his uncle John, now in his 40s and still childless. So because of this, John's heir was his brother Humphrey, the king's other uncle, also childless if we are only counting legitimate children. England was one bad flu season away from having no one to run the country. John's wife Anne was back home in France. She was helping with the trial of Joan of Arc. She was 28 and we don't know of what exactly. But she died. Plague is always a good guess, probably illness at least. As a woman, it wouldn't have been war. She didn't have children, so it wasn't childbirth. But we will get more into that when Anna Burgundy has her own episode. So of the next three men in line for the throne, only one of them had a wife, and none of them had legitimate children. And they were living in a world where a 28-year-old woman who was otherwise healthy could just die. And it wasn't even so shocking that they wrote it down. They were just like, meh, it happens. John didn't waste any time. He was aware that he was currently the heir presumptive of the moment, and he wasn't doing his duty in supplying heirs. So the next year, he married a teenager named Jaquetta of Luxembourg, a European noblewoman and an appropriate wife for a royal duke and heir presumptive. But that wasn't to be either. Just a couple of years later, Duke John died at the age of 46. John and Jaquetta did not have any children. 45-year-old Humphrey was now the heir presumptive. He needed to live at least long enough to make sure the king had children, but that hadn't been something the Lancastrian men had succeeded at. Of the four Lancastrian brothers combined, they had one legitimate child, King Henry. He was the king and only legitimate child in his generation. His mother had nieces and nephews, but they were French and in line for the French throne. With the Hundred Years' War still ongoing, England didn't want to give France a reason to come for them. But King Henry, though he had been king for 14 years now, was still only 15. And the very next year, the young king's mother died. She had been living with her husband, Owen Tudor, out in the country. They had six more children together, but Catherine had died at 35 in childbirth. The king was now 16 and old enough to be king on his own. Obviously, his uncle was still playing a major role in the running of the country and the closest thing to a father figure that King Henry had. He was also still the heir to the throne. This may be why his wife might have made a mistake. Eleanor had consulted astrologists about the future. Understandable, In the 15th century, astrologists were considered extremely reliable, and the young king was still single, and her husband was nearly 50 and the heir to the throne. Unfortunately for Eleanor, the astrologist predicted that the young king would suffer a life-threatening illness the next year. This was a problem. This would have been seen as her plotting the death of the king. The astrologist had put Eleanor in a very bad position. To make matters worse, word got around that the king's death had been predicted i don't know what idiot was spreading the rumor around but it was stupid and dangerous and word got back to the king and the king was worried so he got his own astrologers and they found no evidence that the king was in danger so the king's astrologers had at least some common sense enough and a healthy sense of survival to say no bro you're good you're you're fine But that meant the other astrologists were either lying or plotting against the king. So an investigation was launched, and it led straight to Duchess Eleanor. Eleanor had fled to Westminster Abbey for sanctuary just in time. She had been charged with witchcraft and necromancy. Exaggerated? Almost for sure. But she had entered sanctuary, so she couldn't be tried. She did, however, submit to a religious trial. Eleanor was examined by a panel of religious men whilst in sanctuary, and she denied most of the charges, but did confess to obtaining potions from a witch. Her explanation was that they were potions to help her conceive. Eleanor and her fellow conspirators were found guilty. Eleanor had to do public penance in London, divorce her husband, and was condemned to life in prison. On three market days in November 1441, She was forced to walk barefoot to three churches. Market days were chosen because they were busy to maximize the humiliation. Think Circe from Game of Thrones. Shame. The shame walk. The marriage of Eleanor to Duke Humphrey was ended through an imposed divorce, stripping her of her titles and rights to any of the Duke's wealth. A sentence of perpetual imprisonment was imposed. Eleanor, though, was gaining sympathy amongst the commoners. Just a few months prior, an unnamed Kentish woman had met with Henry VI at Blackheath and scolded him for his treatment of Eleanor, saying that he should bring her home to her husband. The woman was punished by execution. Humphrey retired from public life. He himself was arrested on charge of treason in 1447, and he died three days later, probably either from poison or a stroke. The king had since married, but remained childless, and for now at least, England had no obvious heir if something happened to the king. The generation before him was gone, and the generation after him hadn't started yet, and he was the sole survivor of the Lancastrian line. But more about that in another episode. Eleanor, daughter of a knight turned lady-in-waiting, turned mistress, turned royal duchess, turned indefinitely imprisoned woman, and prison is where she would remain until she died on the 7th of July, 1452, at the age of 52. She was survived by no one that I know of. Even if both of Humphrey's illegitimate children were hers, they had both died while she was in prison. History is written by the victors, and Eleanor didn't live her life in victory she just had a meteoric rise and then a more sudden fall. And the information we have on her reflect that. We really don't know much about her and what we do know has to be inferred by the information on the people around her. And that is where we leave it for this week. I'm sorry to leave it on such a low note, but what did you think about Eleanor Cobham? She was a woman who was not properly prepared for the life she found herself in, and given her lack of knowledge on the upper rungs of nobility, she did surprisingly well with a fairly large falter at the end of her life. What did you think of her husband, Humphrey? He seemed like a fairly likable guy. He was liked by most people, but I just can't get there with him. It kind of seems like a socially advanced jerk, but I didn't know the man, so maybe I'm missing something. You can share your thoughts with me at Long Podcast at gmail.com, or on Facebook or Instagram at Long Live the Queen Podcast. Long live to all the queens out there, and until next week, bye.